Blog Talk Radio. and their versatility bring new light to many topics in and out of the world of fantasy sports. Guests can reach the show by calling 347-324-5404. Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. Let's hope they're still friends afterwards. Here they are, Scott and Mike. Mikey, I knew you would like that. That was uh, my... <laughs> we got to do it every show, baby. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Red Vs. Blue High Stakes Fantasy Radio, wherever you may be. Thanks for making us part of your night. I'm Scott Atkins, Team Legacy in the world of high stakes fantasy football. And as always, I'm joined by the Big Blue co-host from Brandenburg, Kentucky, Michael Trim. Mike, we have preseason going on tonight. It's a uh, it's it's almost here. Las Vegas is only twenty days away, and look at Greg Olson make another catch. And there's there's our boy from Louisville, Kentucky, uh, played for the Cardinals. Uh, that that was Gary Barnage right there. How you doing, Mikey? I'm doing pretty good. Kind of kind of got a headache, and then I heard that JDTS crap, and boy, man, I just need you know what? I need to just know that that's going to happen, and then just get it away from my brain, and then. Okay, I'm doing great, Scott. How we doing? And uh, the Red versus Blue crew, uh, everybody's in the house. Everybody's looking good, sounding good, and uh, it's going to be a great show. Uh, we have a special guest this evening, John Rosek, the number one player in all the world. Uh, he's going to be with us tonight. Um, if you haven't gotten a chance to see the Toyota Hall of Fame that they put together uh, last year, that was a pretty awesome thing to see the fantasy players get the attention they so rightfully deserve. This is uh, Red vs. Blue brought to you by FPA Radio from the Fantasy Players Association. We've got uh, Cardinals uh, Cardinals and the Raiders going on. We're looking at highlights from the Dolphins and the Panthers on NFL Network. You never know about that backfield situation. Mike Jonathan Stewart looks like a little bit of a knee injury there, so if that happens, maybe one, of, maybe D'Angelo Williams, his, his stock would certainly rise with an injury to one of those guys. Right now, they're, they're basically undraftable. There he goes, back to the locker room. So Jonathan Stewart with an apparent knee injury, Mike. Um, yeah. if, if that happens, uh, maybe maybe D. Will is fantasy relevant once again. Yeah, you know what? Uh, I kind of think that these uh, some of these preseason games and the reps that they take uh, are irrelevant. Well, no, they're not. Because uh, in in the game of uh, high stakes uh, fantasy drafting football, uh, you have to you have to keep your eye and uh, keep your pulse on everything that goes on. Because uh, 
everybody's going to move up and down, just like Jason Witten when uh, Witten had the uh, ruptured spleen. Or not ruptured, but, uh, you know, his spleen injury, uh, that's going to make a difference. Uh, where, does, where does this stock go, Scott? Uh, your guess is as good as mine, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, I tell you what, I've got so much going on right now. I can't even keep it all straight. I'm sitting here just absorbing everything I can. It's just like when we're, you know, when the season starts, you've got 11 games on, 12 games, and you can't get enough of this stuff. I've watched Chris Johnson look fantastic. I'm still trying to figure out what to do with the sixth pick. I drew the sixth at the FFPC, the Fantasy Football Player uh, Football Players Championship. I drew the sixth, and here we have Chris Johnson running in two 14-yard touchdowns tonight. But he's a guy I just can't trust, man. He, I mean, how many games last year? Here he is. If you look at the end of season stats, okay, yeah, he's, you know, he's a top ten back. But there were five or six games last year that he gave you absolutely nothing. And in a head-to-head league, in an eleven-week regular season, know, I, at the FFPC, every week is so important, man. How do you draft a guy like Chris Johnson at number six? Yeah, that's very, that's very tough, uh, especially when they have no. Uh, well, they they have some semblance of quarterback and wide receiver tandem, but uh, you got to have that to let Chris Johnson go. Uh, oh. ah. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, behind him, would you go Tom Brady? Would you rather go Tom Brady or oh. Chris Johnson at that point? Oh, I just watched LeGarrette Blunt injury, man. Wow. That looked bad, Mikey. Oh, well, hey, that, uh, that definitely does, um, does wonder. Martin, for- the owner's good. For those guys that have been drafting Doug Martin religiously, I have not touched him. I don't own him in a single league that I've drafted in this year. But having said that, with a LeGarrette Blunt injury, Doug Martin is a definite second-round pick, Mike. I think he has to go uh, around those uh, after the Wes Welkers, uh, maybe even before the Greg Jennings of the world. Uh, he's got he's to be up there in that second-round area. Yeah, you know what? Uh, I've got a uh... – got a guy that works for me uh he's a big tampa bay fan and he's been talking about doug martin doug martin doug martin and of course we keep our eye on the radar i mean we know what's going on at least we feel like we do and uh doug martin has uh he's definitely stepped his game up as a rookie and now with uh with this injury i mean he's going to be asked to do more but but further than that scott is josh freeman i mean this could really open things up for this uh, Tampa Bay offense. We've got a great chat room here. The crew here, we affectionately call them at Red versus Blue, the best minds in the world of high-stakes fantasy football, started here with Red versus Blue. Now they're, they're everywhere. We've got them at BFD Fantasy. We have them in uh, the high-stakes fantasy hour. We have them in the BFD Dynasty, the Big F and Dynasty show with those guys. So, uh, you can get uh, you can get your your fix here for the high stakes guys on Blog Talk Radio, thefantasysportschannel.com, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Uh, it, it is a lot of fun to do these podcasts and to get everybody in the crew. 20 days away, Mike from Vegas. We've got a lot going on, uh, and and here we're talking about what to do with the six pick. If yeah. you have it, you've got the top three backs. You maybe have a Jimmy Graham going in the FFPC FPC format. You maybe have a uh, uh, you know, like you just said, a top quarterback, Aaron Rodgers or a Tom Brady or somebody that you can really trust. Uh, Josh McDaniels in New England, you you know what you're going to get with Tom Brady. But if you don't want to go that route, you're looking at Darren McFadden, CJ2K, or potentially would you could you trust Orion Matthews with that shoulder? I mean, oh. that's the guy that was always he was going like number four, number five. And now you have to worry about the injury. If he's not a hundred percent week one, what do you do? No, there's no way I can trust Ron Matthews. Uh, I mean, he's shown it over and over and over again that uh, the injury bug hits him. I mean, it's just the way it is. I mean, would you rather trust a, a who would you rather draft right now, Ryan Matthews or Matt Forte? Ooh, that's a good one. I'll throw that out into the chat. Three four seven three two four five four zero four. Mikey Trent pulls it out of his hat. Ryan Matthews or Matt Forte? That's a good one, man. I think uh, I think Forte's gonna probably get the nod. And yep, so far in the chat room, Shane P. Hallam Forte for sure. Henry Muto Forte. 
I'd like to get those responses going. I think it, it's kind of closer than than you think there. You do have Michael Bush in uh, in Chicago. You're going to have uh, him ease into that uh, into that workload. I think they're going to play those backs a little bit more than you think. I think Bush is going to get a little more work than everybody thinks right now because I think they like that one-two punch to keep Forte fresh. Uh, but uh, Matthews is, again, the injury risk. And, you know, really he's Mr. Glass, right? So – uh, that's that's yep. something we, we we have to uh, we have to consider, Mike. There's a there is a there is a lot going on in in the preseason. We have the injury to your boy Jason Witten. I know you're a big Cowboy fan, and yep. uh, we have a, a lacerated spleen. Is that what I heard? Uh, but yep. this is a consummate professional. He's a good old country boy, right? I don't think we have much to worry about with Jason Witten. Here's a guy. The last five years in this format, top five tight end, all five years, Mike. So, you know, you don't have a lot of worries with a guy like Jason Witten, except for injury. But you still have to take this guy somewhere in the top part of the draft. If you let him go too far, I've seen him fall. Uh, I've seen him fall. People are taking Jermichael Finley. People are taking Vernon Davis. Uh, in front of him, and then it usually goes Witten, but you're you're taking the Gates and Finley's the win. So you're saying, you know, he's in the top seven now, but there's no reason to say that he's out of the top five. Well, Scott, uh, I did some research on uh, lacerated spleens. And good old country boy like me, uh, I looked it up, and what he has to do for the next uh, four weeks is basically not move. He can walk with no problem. Uh, and just kind of move around. His body movement, I mean, this guy is taking back six weeks. I have no interest in taking Jason Witten at all in uh, in any of my drafts just because of that. I mean, that you don't want to you don't want to hurt an internal organ, and he's already done that. So I have no interest. We also have the Pup List making uh, their debut this week. The Pup List, Richard Mendenhall, with off the ACC off the ACL injury, coming off the Pup List, and Adrian Peterson also off the Pup. Mike, what do you think of both those guys? Obviously, they're at two different parts of the draft altogether, but with the injury to Isaac Redman, some people are saying, "Wow, they've got to activate Mendenhall." You don't have much else on the roster. You got to. Jonathan Dwyer that you really can't count on. You have a Chris Rainey type guy you can't count on, a lot of speed. Uh, and Rashard Mendenhall's coming off the pup. So for a guy that was going undrafted because of a late-season ACL is now coming off the pup, which means he's going to be activated right before week six of the season. Yeah, you know, uh, Scott, uh, Pittsburgh, they got, a, they got a situation on their hand as far as running back goes. Uh, because I don't know uh, what's going to happen with Redmond. Apparently not much. Uh, Jonathan Dwyer, I really thought that he was going to be something special. I don't, I don't see that happening. So uh, Pittsburgh, they have a real situation on their hands. Uh, as far as Adrian Peterson, uh, he, he's going to be something this year. Uh, I'm really, uh, I'm, I'm expecting big things out of him uh, and that entire offense. They are starting to gel, and this could be. Uh, this could be a good year for uh, Adrian Peterson and that entire Minnesota offense, even though it's going against Chicago defense. But you got to remember, Green Bay defense is not that much, and uh, Detroit defense is not that much. So, uh, you know, looking at both those running backs, man, I, I really love AP right now. Three four seven three two four five four zero four is the number. Adrian Peterson off the pup, uh, again, just a phenomenal athlete, a, a specimen. And to see him going in the third round, if he's 80% of where he's at, it's probably a very nice pick uh, for that third-round pick. The other guy that there's a lot of question marks on, Mike, is Maurice Jones-Drew. This is a guy that wants a new contract. He's 27 years old. He's got a lot of mileage on him. He didn't look exactly the same, even though he led the league in rushing yards last year. He didn't look the same around the goal line, not the bowling ball uh, that he's been in the past. And and you have to think, these running backs, they've got to get their money. They've got to get their money before they get, you know, washed up. And I think MJD knows that. And I think he's only making, like, he's under contract still, 4 or $5 million. So 
He wants the contract. Jacksonville has dug their toes in the sand and said, no, you're not getting it. You're under contract. You've got to report. They've absolutely said there's no chance they're going to make a deal with this guy. Do you think MJD finally comes to camp and says, you know what, I've got to play? Yeah, he comes to camp in week one. Here's the deal, Scott. Here's the way I see it. Uh, The NFL players get paid $1,000 a week. $1,000 a week until game time. That's when their contracts start kicking in. And MJD is, I mean, he's tired of $1,000 a week. Come September, the 1st of September, he's not expecting $1,000. He's expecting a big paycheck. So I see MJD working out, holding out at the same time, but I still think he'll be uh, ready to play for uh, Jacksonville in week one. This is a very interesting situation. A guy of the caliber of MJD is definitely fantasy relevant. To see him falling into the mid-second is obviously something that we want to get someone's opinion that we know we can count on. And there's only one line that sums up our next guest. I am the smartest man alive! And that is our guest, the number one ranked fantasy player in all the world, uh, Mr. John Rosek. John, welcome to Red vs. Blue, my man. Hey, Scott. How are you guys doing? Hi, John. Hey, Mike. Hey, John. It's good to hear from you. And I had to uh, I had to pull up the Toyota video, the Hall of Fame. Uh, for those that don't know what that was all about, because I think that's just an awesome thing for fantasy players to see some of these big companies, these big uh you know, these big guys come in and get to the world of fantasy football, and here you are ranked number one in the world. Tell us about that experience. How did that happen? Did, they, did you have to go somewhere and fly to the studio? What, how, did that all, how did that all come about? Uh, actually, it's kind of funny how it originally called up. I kind of got a call out of the blue from someone, you know, claiming to be from this marketing agency in L.A. talking about this concept they had about this Hall of Fame or whatever. And, of course, my, kind of my first response then was like, well, how did you hear about me? <laughs> and everything that's on there, so it kind of turned out where, you know, they were kind of partnering with Toyota and Yahoo to do this thing. So kind of flew out to L.A. to do this uh, shoot and everything for the videos and everything. So it was kind of cool. Probably the best part about it was uh, kind of talking with uh, Andy, who you see on there is one of the other initial inaugurees, who was a guy that was uh, in the original league that started fantasy football. Yeah, and um, he just loved talking about fantasy football and talking about how things started, and was kind of really interested about hey, how did you guys get to the Midwest and everything else? It was kind of really fun. That's probably one of the funnest parts. I was just talking to him about how he started everything. That uh, also we saw the uh, one of the first ladies of fantasy football with Jules McClain, but we saw Kimmer Schlisser in there get honored in the Toyota Fantasy Football Hall of Fame. So really cool. Couldn't uh, couldn't happen to a, to a more deserving uh, group. You guys, uh, you and Kimra, definitely deserve all the accolades. And you are playing in the high stakes world again, John. What are your plans for Vegas? It's only twenty days away. Um, yeah, I'm got a full slate that's out there. I think I'm uh, participating both in the FFPC. I'm doing a couple of the large leagues that are out there. The actually doing uh, Ian Ebel's new league, the uh, FFWC, um, and also doing a couple of the uh, NFC leagues. So. That's a good time, and uh, also uh, joining the uh, you guys down in Kentucky this year as well for the first time. Wow! Yeah, it's awesome, John. Uh, you know we're really looking forward to it. Farrell, uh, uh, he's putting on a great show there in Kentucky, and uh, just can't wait. Uh, you know, it's hard to believe that it's uh, it's right on top of us. Uh, it's going to be a week from uh, a week from tomorrow. I mean, yeah, uh, we we from today. Week. Well, at least I'll be down there. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Right here, it's uh, it's a good time. Kimura certainly did a uh, a great job of trying uh, recruiting me for the last couple of years. <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah, it's going to be a good time. There's no doubt about it. It is interesting to see the um, the Kentucky League make it big time and attract all these high stakes players for just a mid stakes price. It's pretty neat, uh, and it's kind of that week before just to kind of get things rolling and. And so it is. Uh, it is a pretty uh, pretty exciting time there to to get down there and and have a good time in the weekend. So, uh, John, I want to I want to get right to it. We've got the categories in honor of our good friends at BFD Fantasy, uh, Lou Tranquilli, and all those guys. We thought it would be kind of cool to get somebody like you to come on. And so let's let's just throw out a 
a couple of things to have some fun this year. You're looking at the first round. Everybody has a everybody has a first round pick from one to twelve. You don't know where you're going to be uh, in in Kentucky. You get there and you pick your draft slot. Uh, FFPC, you get your draft slot early. What draft slot do you have at FFPC? And then let's talk about the potential first round bust that landmine that you're trying to avoid this year. Uh, well, the FFPC, for the, the two leagues I'm doing, I've got seven and eight. So I've got uh, basically so pretty much the same decisions in both of those drafts. Um, and I guess the first round bust, uh, let me give you two of them. One's going to be kind of a cop-out on there, but definitely say basically anybody's going to go to a first-round quarterback. And probably most people listening to this show, it's not going to be applicable, but you, know, you still see in most of the drafts where you've got Rodgers and Brady still going in the first round. But you look at a couple of drafts I've done over the last week or so, and you still get guys like Rivers and Romo and Ryan and Manning, all that going like an eighth and ninth round. So I don't think there's that value in first-round pick for any quarterback, which I think most people listening to this probably know that. <laughs> well, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, it's it's interesting, John, because there is a, a respected site out there that said, you know, go ahead and take that first round quarterback this year if it's Aaron Rodgers, and and that was the first round uh, the first round lock, I think. So it, it's kind of interesting to see that those opinions go back and forth on that. But I'm with you. I love the abilities of some of these guys that you're getting in the sixth and seventh. We could talk about a Matt Ryan all day, right, John? I mean, is there a is there a quarterback that's skyrocketing up the draft boards faster than what we're seeing out of this offense. Matt Ryan, he was a very successful player last year, finished as quarterback eight, and and you're seeing him being drafted as quarterback eight this year when they're going to open up the offense. So you're seeing him in the sixth and seventh rounds at the latest now. And, and to get a guy that already threw for 4,000 yards and they're going to open it up with all those weapons, it just seems like, man, why not wait for that? Right, and I definitely agree, and Ryan is one of the guys I'm targeting, and like I said, I used to look at, I think Rivers is had a down year last year, I think he'll be up this year, Romo is going really late, and Eli is going really late, and I, I think any one of like those four or five guys are going to put up very similar numbers, so there's no reason to reach and take a quarterback early. This is John Rozek on Red versus Blue, the number one ranked player in in all of the world right now. I know those rankings come out yearly. I haven't seen the new batch of them. I'm looking forward to seeing that. I want to ask you about a guy that uh, I, I hasn't been on the radar, but I've just got to ask it because I live in Indianapolis, and so I'm a little biased here. But Andrew Luck, you, you saw last week, I, I hope you got to see the, the, the game and the highlights where they're playing the hapless Rams, okay? But the zip he puts on the ball and I just envision this Colts team, the offensive line is still weak. You're going to get pressured. He's going to get harassed. And it's probably going to lead to the Colts being behind at halftime for most of the games of the season. But in that second half, when those guys back up a little bit, they start to play a little bit of prevent defense. I really feel something inside me says that Luck's going to have a very nice rookie season. And you could count on him for more than enough games as your QB2 and potentially if you're hurting a QB1, because this guy's going to rip apart defenses uh, in the prevent in the second half and garbage points. I don't care if it's win or lose. It's garbage points in the second half, and that's what fantasy football is about. What do you think about Andrew Luck and the potential for him being a starting quarterback on your fantasy team? Well, I agree with you, and I think that he's definitely going to surprise and do better than what most rookie quarterbacks do. I don't know if I necessarily want him being my – QB1, but I see him as a very high QB2 who could very easily finish the year as a low-end QB1. I agree. I think um, Indianapolis is going to be behind a lot. He's going to get a lot of garbage time points. He's probably going to throw a lot of interceptions like most three quarterbacks do, but I think he's going to put up the fantasy stats. So he's hoping somebody I would love to have as like I said, if I'm going to wait till that eighth, ninth round to take my first quarterback, I'm going to take luck you know, maybe one or two later, and definitely I think you could fill in for, you know, three, four, maybe even more games each year. Hey, John, uh, you know, I, pre- I appreciate that, and, uh, you know, that's good uh, That's good. Uh, good comments. Uh, I'm going to throw one at you real quick. Uh, I, this has been eating me away, and uh, I just – I have to do it. So I'm going to uh, throw one at you. Gary McFadden or Chris Johnson? Uh, McFadden. 
And only thing I think McFadden probably has more risk, but I think he has more upside than Chris Johnson is this year. I, I think I'd be very happy. I'd, I think I saw you earlier, Scott, you're talking about who to take with the sixth pick, and I think it comes, comes down to whichever one of those two guys is left for you. You take whoever's left there. Yep. Yeah, I, I think that's a safe play. I would love to get my hands on a Calvin Johnson. I know in Vegas that's not going to happen. I mean, it, the, the chances of, of somebody taking Aaron Rodgers and somebody having to take Jimmy Graham, I just don't see them doing that over a Calvin Johnson with him sitting there. We saw what he did in the playoffs last year in the playoff game. Uh, we saw what he's doing in the preseason. And it just looks like the unstoppable force. And so, I, I you know, it's just one of those guys. What about somebody – if yeah, you had I would that, actually, I would actually take McFadden over Kelvin if I oh, had really? that option. Like in the main event for the FFPC, I would take McFadden over Johnson. And that's because the running backs dry up faster, or it's not position for or player for player, right? You you believe Calvin's going to score more points, right? Uh, probably yes, but yeah, I think running backs dry up so so much quicker, and I think receivers are just so deep this year. Gotcha. So the, so the wide receivers, uh, it is that deep. I mean, let's face it, uh, uh, John. I mean, the wide receivers is that deep. So you would forfeit, uh, you would forfeit Calvin, and uh, go ahead and go ahead and take Darren. Yeah, I would. I would take Darren over Calvin. Absolutely. Good. Uh, of course, something might happen the next two weeks or three weeks to change everything down in Vegas, but. <laughs> For now, I would definitely I would take McFadden over Calvin. This is uh, you are listening to John Rosek, the number one fantasy football player in all the world right now. I don't want to say it too many times, but if you don't oh, have yes, your pen and paper, if you don't have your pen and paper out, you you are going to miss out. He uh, earned it. He did. He did. He does earn it. He wins. Uh, he wins all the time. Uh, John, we we talked about uh, the rapid fire this week. Uh, if you if you've listened to Red versus Blue, we do the rapid fire every week. It's, we list five guys and we want you to rank them. Uh, and, and this this week's rapid fire is about mid round players that can lead you to a fantasy title. And we just put five guys together, different positions even this week. This is the first time we've done a different position rapid fire. Uh, the five guys that we have in this week's rapid fire are Tory Smith. C.J. Spiller, Donald Brown, Matt Ryan, and Jacob Tammy. Rank those five in the rapid fire. Uh, I guess in terms of order of difference makers, I would rank them as, which may not be what you think, but Donald Brown, Spiller, Tammy, Smith, and Matt Ryan. Donald Brown first, C.J. Spiller, Tammy three, Torrey Smith four, and then Matt Ryan five. Right. As in terms of difference makers, and I look at it as Donald Brown, I'd like to see him in the next couple games. I mean, he's looked good so far, and I mean, he could very easily be the entire running game for that offense. So I think he could, he has the potential to put up, you know, running back two type numbers, and right now he's going like in the seventh round. Right. And Spiller, same thing, where, hey, if Jackson gets hurt, we kind of saw what Spiller could do last year, where he could put up some really good numbers. And Smith and Ryan, I look at it more of, well, there's a lot of other receivers out there that can kind of put up what he does. And same thing with Matt Ryan, there's a lot of other quarterbacks that are kind of in that same range that could also do as good or as bad as what Ryan's going to do. So that's where I would put him. Yeah, Donald Brown, uh, again, another another back that uh, looked pretty good in his yards per carry last year. Just he hasn't gotten that big opportunity and that big workload that we've seen. 4.8 yards a carry. For the Colts last year, obviously he had that one huge run that kind of helped that on 134 carries. But if he can get those receptions as part of Andrew Luck's uh, offense, which we saw in week one, then uh, I think he might be one of those steals. So uh, I just tried to put a list of guys together that are kind of on people's radar right now. Torrey Smith last year played through the injuries uh, uh, that he played through all year as a rookie, looked good. Finished as wide receiver 30, he's being drafted around wide receiver 28. You would think that they would progress a little bit more than that in the offseason, but it's just not happening for Torrey Smith's ADP. Is it? And it doesn't seem like it's going to get any better in the preseason for that to happen. Uh, what do you think about Torrey Smith this year? Um, well, I like Torrey Smith. I think part of his problem is, at least based on last year, is that he's very inconsistent. So he's maybe a guy that you just plug in your lineup every week and just get his total points out of him, but 
know, he's kind of like Steve Smith was for a number of years where you're just likely to get five or 30 points out of him. You just don't really know what you're going to get for him. At the end of the year, he's probably going to look good like a wide receiver 30, but he's going to be very consistent from week to week. Who would you rather have, uh, John, if, if you're looking at players? I just saw an, a fantastic – another jump uh, a jump play for Jerome Simpson here. Uh, who would you rather have, a Jerome Simpson or a Jonathan Baldwin this year for Kansas City? Ooh. I would probably, if I'm going to draft those two guys, probably Baldwin. Some of those guys are going, you know, late in the draft as your sleeper type picks. I'm, I'm looking for guys that are either going to be very good or bust out. And I think C. Simpson is being a guy who is going to be, you know, take his upside as a very consistent receiver. I don't see him being, you know, breaking into being a top 25 type guy. But Baldwin has a talent, I think, where he could do that over a few number of weeks. John, let's move to the rookie of the year. There's a lot to choose from this year. Obviously, with Andrew Luck and Robert Griffin, you have Trent Richardson with the with a little bit of a an injury there that or some are saying isn't going to be too impactful. And then you have the wide receiver in Jacksonville. And hey, look look at uh, look at Blaine Gabbert. He's actually looking pretty good. There's been a lot of knocks on the guy, but he's looked pretty good. And you have Justin Blackman there. Who do who would be the uh, who would be your best bet for rookie of the year this year? Uh, and same thing. I'm going to go with what at the end of the year was an easy choice to go with Richardson, even with the potential injury and maybe even if he misses week one, I just think that he has too much talent and opportunity coming together. I mean, he's going to be most of that offense. So I think probably the closest he coming to him is a Doug Martin, who's going to get a lot of carries and catches and everything in Tampa. But I'll give the nod to Richie from there. That's another name I left off the list, Mikey. Uh, you were just talking about Doug Martin earlier and uh, this is a guy that we're seeing going in the in, very likely at the end of the second round here. So you've got two rookie running backs going in the draft, and without a Legarrette Blunt, uh, Doug Martin's going to get the lion's share of the carries. Trent Richardson's going to get his share of the carries. Uh, I I think it is a it's a dead heat between those two guys, don't you think, Mikey? Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, those guys they're they're going to get it all. I mean, it just depends on we got to we got to see what's going to happen with Legarrette Blunt, but. Uh, you know the the writing was on the wall to begin with coming into camp uh, in the o, uh, in the OTAs. I mean, it was basically Doug Martin was going to do this. It was his job, and uh, like I said earlier, it's going to make it even more fun for uh, Josh Freeman and those wide receivers because I'm going to tell you something. This Tampa Bay team they excite me, and I really expect a lot of things out of them. Uh, Scott, I, I'd like to chime in on the uh, the, on, on the on the side you have here. Uh, I've got Matt Ryan at one, Torrey Smith two, uh, Jacob Tammy three, TJ Spiller four, and uh, Donald Brown five. I really, uh, I really like Matt Ryan. I mean, I like I like the fact that they're going to open it up and they're going to do what they want to do. He's got to be a consideration. He's flying up draft boards. That offense is flying, uh, flying high, and they're they're going vertical. Julio Jones, John, is another name that keeps coming up uh, in fantasy circles everywhere I go. And this is a guy that looks like he's ascending in just his second year to elite status in the draft board. You've got Calvin, you've got Fitzgerald, and then you've got people talking. Julio Jones is the number three wide receiver. Do you see him as that high? Does he deserve that ranking from you? Because I know you, you don't, you're not a big risk taker in these drafts. I watch your drafts and I, and I just think they're very, they're very solid drafts, and that's usually what wins in these things. Yeah, I'll say I, I definitely liked Julio kind of coming into the year, but I think he's kind of getting overdrafted a little bit now with him. I think most of the latest drafts you've seen with the FBC in that he's going kind of that late late first round range. I can definitely see him being a top five, but I don't necessarily see him being much better than, you know, a Fitzgerald, an A.J. Green, or maybe even a Roddy White on there. So I think he's going a little bit too high right now. I'd rather probably take a late running back and accept Fitzgerald instead of Julio and whoever you get coming back. We hey, have John, a... Real quick, yeah, ahead, real, real quick, I want to jump in, uh, Scott, if you don't mind. And, uh, you know, I got a question. Uh, 
how much stock do you put into these games that are going on right now? I mean, basically, it's uh, what what have you done for me lately? I mean, how much stock do you really put into these preseason games? I guess it depends on the player. If it's already kind of a top-line player and he's kind of having a really good preseason and a couple of, like, first second for the second series, maybe I'll bump them up a little bit. But I tend to use it as I think a lot of other people overreact to these first two games. So I kind of use that of like a Julio. Like I said, right now I probably wouldn't take him at the end of the first round, but all right, you know, everybody else is going to, so now it's going to bump somebody else down to me later. But they still think Julio going into this year was probably considered by a lot of people thought he was going to be a top five guy anyway. You know, preseason is almost basically. Did we lose John? Hello. There you are. Sorry. Right. Um, yeah, I, I guess to paraphrase that. Basically, I think I, I sort of take preseason into account, but I think people tend to overreact to what happens in the preseason. So I think you just have to kind of tend to use that to your advantage. We're talking to John. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, sorry, Mike. Go we've ahead, got. John. To- We've got these holdout situations that always affect the drafts differently, John. And this is this is something that we've seen uh, this year in all these preseason drafts. We have Mike Wallace going in the fifth and sixth round, and then we have uh, MJD, you know, going in the in the in the second. Uh, what do you think about both of those situations? And are either one of those guys draftable right now for you in these early leagues? Uh, absolutely. I think I did a draft. Uh last night where I got MJD in the mid-second round. I think that's just an absolute steal. I mean, he's holding out now, but I really don't think there's any way he's going to miss even week one of the regular season. I mean, plus you pair him up with the Jennings later on, and I think you're fine and you're covered and you got a potential top five guy that's going in the middle of the second round. So I think he is absolutely drafted. One same thing with Wallace. We now I think it's already said he's most likely back for week one. So, again, I think you're going to see him by the time he gets to Vegas, he's probably going to be like a third, fourth-round guy where he's not there now. Let's move on to the breakout player segment. This is uh, something that's always always fun. Every year we look at the breakout player uh, potentials. Last year, Victor Cruz came out of nowhere to, to take this crown. Uh, this year you have names like Steven Ridley. You have names like Torrey Smith. You have guys like Mark Ingram. Uh, possibly Ryan Williams or Jacquez Rogers, uh, guys like Titus Young, Pierre Garçon, who would be somebody that you would consider as a breakout candidate, somebody that you would have to be taking, you know, sixth round or later that just is ready to just come onto the fantasy scene? Um, well, I'll go with a guy that has been close to that. I've seen uh, in quick few drafts and Eric Decker, uh, just like the position out there, I think Manning should look at him a lot. I could very easily see him being a top ten guy at worst. Yeah, he's getting a lot of love in the in the fantasy, uh, the high stakes fantasy world already, Decker. But dig a little deeper for me, man, because I think people are already <laughs> they've already they've already conceded that Decker is going to be a guy. I mean, you've already you've got Peyton Manning there, and there's only really it's not even a three wide receiver offense. They're running two tight ends and two two wide receivers for the most part. Uh, is there anybody a little deeper that you could you could talk about that maybe has that potential? Uh, not not to give away all your secrets here, but somebody that you know really the guys are saying that's somebody I could get behind. I'll say Justin Blackman. Looking at the thing, I think you talked a little bit earlier. You hit on how Gabbard's not necessarily looking completely horrible this season. I think you know Blackman's gonna get a lot of chance to play and start. I mean, as long as Gabbard is even like an average quarterback this year, I think Blackman can. You know, put up at least startable, you know, wide receiver three, you know, flex numbers, maybe even get you some games that are much better than that. All right. So, so, so see, now that, that's what I have. That's my job here, John. I got to push you for the tough ones. I had to, I had to get <laughs> into your bag a little bit. And, and so I'll put Decker as one and Justin Blackman as one A. So, so that's fair. And then we do have, uh, we do have some tweets on the, uh, on the rapid fire tonight. We, we asked about the, the, the difference makers. Uh, the mid-round difference makers, uh, Luke Taylor, at Pinch Hit Writer. He he writes Matt Ryan, number one, C.J. Spiller, Torrey Smith, Jacob Tammy, and Donald Brown, five. Uh, Ryan McDowell of Dynasty League Football, Ryan MC 23 he's a must-follow for Dynasty players. 
He he ranks Torrey Smith, Matt Ryan, C.J. Spiller, Jacob Tammy, Donald Brown. Uh, John, there's two guys right there. Does it surprise you that Donald Brown isn't getting love uh, from the fantasy community? Uh, no, not at all. Like I said, I think Donald Brown, like I explained, like Donald Brown's upside in the seventh round. I get, like I said, watch the next couple weeks. I could very easily see him being a high end number two, or you know what, if he kind of struggles and everything else, he's a guy that could fall down and kind of be in a timeshare and not really be startable each week. So that's what I was looking there in terms of a difference maker. Is a guy that he could very easily be a starting running back too. Where the other guys there, I don't know if he's got enough of an advantage over the other guys you can get in that spot. So that's where I was looking at. So it doesn't surprise well, me at all somebody else is ranking five. And actually, I think that almost kind of proves of where he, he's kind of like it's an all or nothing type plus pick at that spot. Yeah. John, uh, do you think, uh, and I'm going to open this up to you and Scott both, uh, do you think Chris uh, Beanie Wells is being overlooked a little bit? I think Beanie Wells is, is kind of tough to draft right now. Yeah. You know, maybe look to see what he does the last couple of weeks and, you know, see how healthy he is, see where Ryan Williams is at, how healthy is he right now, how much are they going to give him the ball going into the season. You know, I just think he's a, he's a spot right now where it, it's kind of tough with where he's going. Hey, I'm watching NFL Network right now. Ryan Tannehill is actually slinging the ball around and, and they uh, they don't have a lot of uh, a lot of offensive firepower there, but he actually looks pretty good. This could be I have a funny feeling this could be a very good year for these rookie quarterbacks. They all three get the start. You got Luck, you got Griffin, you got Tannehill. Uh, it might just be one of those special years in NFL. I, I just really I, this thing is just it's just exploding. NFL and fantasy football is just really becoming such a huge part of our lives, man. We, I just I just think it, every year it gets better, and you just never know what you're going to get. Let's talk about some late-round running backs, John. We've got Jacquez Rogers. Seems like he's getting a lot of love because if you if you listen to the High Stakes Fantasy Hour, it was all Michael Turner all the time, and uh, you know they love to bash on him. I think we all do because he doesn't get the receptions, and he's getting slow. Uh, you, you have Shane Vereen going around the 12th round for New England, and if, if there's any kind of injury to Ridley, I think Vereen uh, gets the nod, although they do like this Jeff Demps kid that signed with the Pats. You got Mikel Ashore coming off of a, a terrible injury. He's going somewhere around the 12th. And then you've got the, the aforementioned Ryan Williams around the 9th. What, any of those guys, are these types of guys that you would like to take a flyer on? Um, absolutely, but I think the rounds are kind of way off to where I see them going by the time we get to Vegas. When you look at a lot of the recent drafts, I mean, Rodgers is sneaking up into that 7th, 8th round type range, and I think he's actually even still decent value there. I could easily see him catching, you know, 45 to 50 balls this year, even if Turner gets the majority of the carries. So I can very easily see him being a startable type guy, but he's definitely, I don't see him dropping past the 7th or 8th round once we get out to Vegas. So I think he's much higher than what the other guys are right now. You know what? Uh, one thing uh, One thing I thought about, uh, John, is can can Cedric Benson make an impact? I mean, I know uh, John Starks and Green Bay is going to be the guy, but uh, or James Starks, I'm, I'm sorry, but uh, can Cedric Benson do anything in Green Bay to make him draftable? Uh, absolutely. I think he very easily could take, at a minimum, half the carries on, you know, first and second out away from Starks. Um, I do think that Starks is still a much better guy for the third down row and is probably getting more valuable in PPR leagues because of the receptions. But I think, you know, Benson could put up decent numbers. And that's kind of funny. Look at kind of recent drafts. I hear Benson's going way ahead of Starks right now. I think that might be a bit of an overreaction to his signing, but I think Stark still has a chance to put up some really good numbers in that system. This has been a lot of fun, John, talking about player prognostication. I want to change gears a little bit and shift gears into team construction for a second. You're, you're, it, it takes a lot of skill and a lot of, um, what's the word, a lot of patience in these leagues and to, to build the right type of team and not get carried away with the player. For example, you just said earlier, Calvin's going to score more points. I'm going to take the running back. That's the kind of stuff I want to give the the other listeners to the show tonight because let's talk about the FFPC format for a second. The one and a half points per reception for the tight end, 
and the quarterbacks. In a draft that I was in the other night, in an FFPC draft, seven of the 12 teams that I watched, of seven of the 12 took a quarterback and a tight end, at least one of each in this first six rounds. So they had two non-running back and wide receivers in the first six rounds. Is that okay to do these days? Because I'm seeing it a lot. It's close to okay in the FFPC because tight ends get one and a half points for reception, and you can start more than one. In a lot of the other, you look at the other high-stakes leagues, you're only starting, you know, one or maybe two tight ends with a flex, you're only getting one point. I don't think you can necessarily get away with it. Um, but even there, I think it's really tough to do. And mainly, I'm in the, you know, the ballpark of let's wait on a quarterback and take one in the eighth, ninth round. Um, and build everything else before that. So I still think, I mean, you can you can do that, but you really have to hit on your picks later on. Yeah, it's it's a very risky pop proposition to to do that when you need running back depth for bye weeks for injuries. The same with with wide receivers, you have to start two of each. You don't have to start two tight ends. So when I see guys taking two tight ends early. It's like, man, you're giving up a stud player that you have to plug in. You're taking your flex player just early to me. Now, I know it can work, but I like to have my starters lined out just in case because if an injury happens or you have 11 weeks in the regular season and you have to make each week count, nine and two, and you might not get that head-to-head record. I mean, that's just the way it goes. Well, Scott uh, Scott and John, I'm going to jump in right now. Uh, the tight ends – that tight end situation, uh, the position, it's kind of ebb and flow type of deal. Uh, because right now, I mean, when you really look at the tight end, you have one, two, three, maybe four that you can bank on drafting highly. And that includes uh, Wooden's injury. But uh, other than that, there's not much there. I mean, so I don't know uh, – the tight end relevancy, so to speak, it just kind of it kind of boggles my mind how they can be, you know, if you if you how much how much time and energy are you going to spend on the tight end, say a uh, Jimmy Graham or a Gronk or a Aaron Hernandez? Yeah, and I, I guess I'll say that they all disagree with that shell. I think tight ends go. 10 to 12 deep this year, especially in the FFPC format where you got point and a half per, where you can have 10 to 12 tight ends that are going to put up over 200 points this year. So I think, which is, you know, comparable to a lot of the, you know, wide receiver twos or better than even a lot of the running back twos. So that's why I think, especially in the FFPC, you see a lot of those tight ends that are going, you know, sixth, seventh round, like a Pettigrew and Gresham and all these kind of guys that normally are drafted much later in other leagues. I want well, to ask I, you. I'm sorry, Mike. I want to ask. I wanted to ask John about a guy before we run out of time here. There's a guy that that was a, a, a top five wide receiver last year, Jordy Nelson, and he's a guy that did not even get a hundred targets for the year, but he had a ton of touchdowns, 15 touchdowns. This is a guy that only had 68 receptions, but was a top five wide receiver. Now I know you have the injury to Jennings. Uh, but this guy is still being drafted pretty high in these drafts. He's still going, uh, you know, pretty early, you know, no less than the fourth round. Talk to me about a Jordy Nelson, a guy that didn't even get 100 targets, a guy that didn't even get 70 catches. Solid. Tell me why he can go in the third and fourth round. Um, well, again there, I think he'll drop down. But I still see him being as a wide receiver one this year, and I actually think he'll probably end up putting up more points than Jennings. This year, I think he's he's just a big play guy. He runs great routes. I think he'll catch more passes this year. His touchdowns are going to come down. I don't think it's a surprise to anybody. But I can right. still see him putting up, you know, very good numbers and getting, you know, up to that 80-85 receptions on here with around 10 touchdowns. He's still got great sizer on the end zone. You know, and Rodgers loves to look for him. He can still get deep even though he doesn't have great speed. So I think he's just – and the Jennings, you know, the perceived number one there, I think he gets a lot of the defensive coverage. So Jen or um, Nelson sits there and gets you know single coverage on there, so he's always going to be open. So I can still see him putting up those really good numbers, being worth where he's being drafted. You have been listening to John Rozek. If you missed it so far, you're going to have to download the podcast and catch the replay. 
He's already named his first-round bust. He's already named his rookie of the year, and he's already named two breakout players. I squeezed a second one out of him. So last but not least, John, we have the comeback player of the year. I know I'm putting you on the spot, but that's what I've got to do. The comeback player of the year, if, if, if you had to give it to anybody last year, I think you give it to Steve Smith. I mean, to see what he did with Cam Newton and, and, and to see what, what he was able to do with on that team, it looked like the Steve Smith of old. So when you think about comeback player of the year, who's the who's the guy that comes to mind? Well, maybe not because the most of us might hear, but I'll talk to you and I'll say Carson Palmer. He was really good last year when he came back for the – the Raiders, yeah. and he's being drafted right now as, you know, what, maybe the 14th, 15th quarterback overall. I could easily see him finishing as a low-end top-10 quarterback. I think he averaged, you know, 22, 23 points, something like that for at the end of the season the Raiders. So I, I could see him being a guy that you can draft as a kind of a committee guy or like a ninth, 10th rounder later and yeah. not really lose anything at the quarterback position. Yeah, I saw him go in the eight. I, got, I saw him go as the 18th quarterback the other day in an FFPC in the 11th round. So uh, definitely, oh, definitely has the makings. You know what, Scott? That's uh, that, that's something to look at. And John, uh, you know, I really, really appreciate that uh, because you know, it's under the radar. That Oakland Raiders team. I mean, they're not going to be that bad. And people need to people need to recognize how good they're going to be. Uh, one thing I I, I just I have to ask, if you had a, a preference, the number three spot or the number nine spot? It's up to you. The number three, would you draft number three or number nine? Which one would you take? Three, without a doubt, especially this year. Okay. So I just think the top three running backs are so valuable, and the guys you're getting at the second and third round right now, uh, I just think there's so much value being a top three pick this year. Okay. Okay, John, would that change if you were in the fourth spot? Uh, probably only because they're the same thing. I like a couple of the running backs you can get there where you're probably not going to get them in the ninth spot. All right. Cool. Well, John, thanks for coming on Red versus Blue. I appreciate it on short notice. You've always always been there for us. I can't wait. We'll see you in Kentucky. Uh, oh, you know what? Let's throw this out here. One last strategy question since we've been stuck on the strategy. Uh, you have the option to draft anywhere you want in Kentucky. You get to bid for your draft slot. This is yeah. a, I, I love this strategy. I love talking about it. You, I love the blind bidding and, and how it all fits into the regular season. But when you can bid for your draft slot, the Kentucky League also has three RR, third-round reversals, so the third round starts with the 12th pick and goes backwards. So talk about what you're thinking about when you go to Kentucky and you're, and you're bidding for your draft slot. Well, that one, and I believe I got it right, really bidding with your free agent dollars. So that kind of has to come into your consideration there. I mean, I'm not going to go and blow $900 on my free agent budget just to get a top three spot. Right. In that situation, I'm probably going to be looking down later in the in the round to see where I get, but I see as a decent spot with spending the least amount of my free agent budget. Especially right. since we get to that third round reverse right at the beginning of the third round. That's very good. John Rosek, thank you for being on Red vs. Blue, the number one ranked fantasy player in all the world. Hope you guys do the TNT show. Are you are you, you guys planning on doing that again this year? Uh, yeah, it's Really, uh, Tim and Tim are the guys that are definitely entirely in charge of that, and I just get to be a guest on there every once in a while. So I'm going to assume they're going to pick that up uh, when the season starts. That was a great show last year. We hope you're. We hope you guys are back. The champs, John Rosak on Red versus Blue. Thanks, man. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Right. Appreciate it. See you next week. Absolutely, John. Looking forward to seeing you uh, next weekend in Kentucky. Yep. Absolutely. All right. That was John well, Rosak. The champs. Day. Uh, in the world of high stakes fantasy football, Mike, we we grill him about every which way from Sunday. We got we got just about everything we could possibly get in uh, on the on the show. Now, granted, there's uh, there's misinformation sometimes from the high stakes guys, but everything I heard from John seemed 100% genuine, and I can buy everything he said. I mean, Carson Palmer, comeback player, makes a lot of sense to me. You've got all those weapons. You got McFadden in your backfield. 
You've got Darius Hayward Bay that looks poised for a breakout. I thought I think he's a breakout candidate to me, don't you? Sure, absolutely. I mean, you know, like you said, they have all kind of uh, all kinds all kinds of weapons. Uh, you know, McFadden is he's the X factor. I mean, if if McFadden stays healthy, you better watch out. This Raiders offense uh, they could be dangerous, and that could just open it open it up even more for uh, Carson Palmer. Yeah, absolutely. With uh, Denarius Moore, Jacoby Ford, uh, they, they they do have uh, quite a bit of everything on that team, and, and they're going to air it out. You have to in that in that division. That's just what they're going to do. Mike, I want to also ask you about a guy like Kenny Britt. I mean, he's drafted in the eighth round. This is a guy that before his eighth arrest, you know, uh, since he's been drafted in the league, he was uh, talked about as a top five finishing wide receiver in the draft. Uh, it was either Hakeem Nix or Kenny Britt, and the Giants. Uh, it was the Giants and the Titans there, and, and a lot of people have questioned those decisions. Not anymore. I think Hakeem Nix has proven that he was the right pick because of the head case that is uh, that has been Kenny Britt. But what do you think about Kenny Britt going in the eighth round? I mean, you could you could scoop him up as your fourth wide receiver, just maybe sit and wait on him, and then have him in those playoff weeks. Well, you know, I like Kenny Britt uh, to a point, but uh, not so much. Uh, would you rather have Kenny Britt? Or say Eric Decker, Torrey Smith, uh, you know guys like that. I I can't I can't buy Kenny Britt right now. There, there's well, no way. I I don't think I understand what you're saying. I, Eric Decker will be gone before then. Uh, Torrey Smith probably too. But yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. It's it's one of the you, you don't want to have a throwaway pick in the first eight rounds. You really don't want you you can afford one bad pick, you know, but you don't want to you don't want to just throw it away. And that's what the potential is there to be throwing it away with Kenny Britt, with uh, the fact that he might they might come down still hard on him, uh, right? In, in the enforcement. Yeah, you're right, Scott. I mean, uh, that's totally uh, acceptable. Uh, say if you go down the line, say Titus Young, would you rather have Titus Young or Kenny Britt? Wow. I'd wow. rather have Titus Young. Man, I, I'm man. sorry. I, I, I would rather take Titus Young. Because he's he's solidified with a uh, great quarterback and Kenny Brick, you just don't know with that quarterback situation how it's going to pan out through the year. Yeah, I think I, I think we're going to see Young drafted a little bit uh, earlier than we have been in these drafts. I've seen him going in the ninth round. I've seen him go in the tenth, and uh, I think you're going to start to see him go up into that eighth round a little bit by the time the season starts. Because again, let's face it, he's the number two in Detroit. And, um, you know, when you're throwing for 5,000 yards, there's a lot to go around. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Titus Young. Definitely a guy that's on my radar. Uh, Another guy that's on my radar, and and, and I don't – I'm not afraid to say it. I throw my picks out there. You hear them before I get to Vegas. But Austin Collie, Mike, I love what Andrew Luck looked like in his first uh, first game. We're going to see him tomorrow night against a true defense, against the Pittsburgh Steelers, Sunday night game, 8 o'clock. We get to see Andrew Luck go up against the Steelers, and I love what I'm seeing from Austin Collie. If he can keep his head in the game and, you know, free from the concussions, uh, I think Austin Collie could be a late sleeper for teams to enjoy. Yeah, well, you know, it's, it's, it boils down to luck. It boils down to his uh, leadership and what he's going to do in the huddle. And uh, just, you know, it's kind of hard for some of these guys to buy in, but, Luck's got to make them buy into it. Um, I mean, you know, there's no doubt in my mind that uh, Austin Collie can fit and work in that system. Uh, but would you take a uh, Sidney Rice or Austin Collie right now? Uh, I don't want anything to do with Sidney Rice, man. If he ends up on my team, it's because I accidentally hit the wrong button, man. That's all we got time for tonight, guys. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to be in Kentucky next weekend on Red versus Blue. Uh, the big weekend, all the guys from, uh, all around the country are coming in for this big thing. If you didn't catch the High Stakes Fantasy Hour, those guys were a blast. Red versus Blue is on directly after, so so make sure you catch the High Stakes Fantasy Hour, the drive on I-65. I can't wait to hear that show. Absolutely. And then, uh, then it'll be all Red versus Blue. We'll see you guys next week. See you next week. You've been listening to Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. With your hosts, Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Please join us next time.
I'm getting so cold. I ain't went this hard since I was 18. Apologize if I say anything I don't mean. Like, what's up with your best friend? We get all have some fun, believe me. And what's up with these new niggas? And why they think it all comes so easy? Forget it while you here, boy. Cause all that hype don't feel the same next year, boy. Yeah. And I'll be right here in my spot with a little more cash than I already got. Tripping off you cause you had your shot. With my skin tan and my hair long. With my fans who've been so patient. Me and 40 back to work, but we still smell like a vacation. Hate your rumors, hate your bullshit, hate these fucking allegations. I'm just feeling like the throne is for the taking. Watch me take All it. I care about is money in the city that I'm from. I'ma sip until I feel it. I'ma smoke until it's done. I don't really give a fuck in my excuses that I'm young. And I'm only getting older. Somebody should. I told you I'm on one, yeah, fuck it, I'm on one, yeah, I said I'm on one, fuck it, I'm on one, two white cups that I got that drink, could be purple or could be pink, depending on how you mix that shit, money to be got, I'ma get that shit, cause I'm on one, I said fuck it, I'm on I'm burning purple flowers, it's burning my chest I bury the most cash and burning the rest